Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Change is at the heart of North and South. How far do you agree? Well, in many ways, um, as Maren Barrett argues, this novel is a story of change, uh, religious, economic, social and psychological. Um, And I love the way that the whole novel is shaped around the Bildungsroman structure of Margaret's change from innocence to experience, from uh, naivety to maturity. Um, And very much we follow Margaret make that journey of change. Um, And I think a key thing for um, this kind of exam question is to really track Margaret's changing character at key marker points in the text. So you might want to look at some of the early chapters, um, such as chapter three, where Margaret um, says to her mother she doesn't want to um, socialise with the Gormans because they're shoppy people. They make their money through trade. Um, And she's quite snobby about that. Um, And then really when Margaret gets to Milton and she gets to know the Higgins family and through the Higginses she hears about the Bouchers and their poverty, this really challenges Margaret because in Halston she was aware of people in poverty but she saw herself as a good lady of the South as Marenbaud points out. You know, she saw herself as someone who... Um, in a somewhat patronising way would turn up with a basket of food um, to hand over and then go back to her normal life. Now, Nicholas doesn't want a relationship with Margaret on that kind of footing. Um, Essentially, he says, if you're going to visit, you're going to visit as a friend. Um, He doesn't want pity. Um, But Margaret feels increasingly challenged at her own level of privilege when she sees Bessie, who is 19 years old, dying because of the fluff that's got into her lungs from factory work Um, and the two of them are juxtaposed and and I think Gaskell very deliberately creates that contrast that Bessie is dying just as Margaret's life is beginning Um, and that influences Margaret's attitude beyond a mere sympathy for the poor. Um, I think it makes her aware of her own privilege and she begins to want to get involved in people's lives in a much more a real tangible way which we know Gaskell herself did um, as a Unitarian minister's wife in Manchester she very much went into people's homes spoke to them and worked with them and um, she didn't just see them as projects she was passionate about people and about social change I think we really see Margaret as a voice piece for Gaskell in this text now ultimately um, there are two sides to Margaret's development because in terms of her development um, in her understanding of how society works through the Higginses she particularly starts to understand things like striking um, and through hearing Nicholas speak about the union what the union means to him and what the union is trying to achieve she sees that essentially there is uh, a key problem and the problem is lack of communication Um, between the masters and the men Uh, and she comments you know to Thornton I see two classes dependent on each other in every possible way Um, and Margaret sees as an outsider to the situation um, how detrimental it is that basically the masters and the men are at war with each other 
um, to the detriment of both. And through the novel, we not only see how the workers suffer, um, but we also see Thornton suffer as well because um, business is hard for him too. So Margaret has this growing understanding of social economy really and how um, the world works and is then able to develop more realistic solutions. Um, the idea of communication and, and it, of course it's Nicholas who comes up with this idea of um, the canteen um, that Thornton can um, provide food with his workers and Thornton very much approaches Nicholas to help him implement um, that idea in a way that the workers will accept. There's another element to Margaret's character though that develops and this is mainly to do with Thornton because one of the big sticking points um, is that Margaret refuses to see Thornton as a gentleman. It's one of the reasons why he takes so much offence at her. He comments to his mother that she looked as, at him as if he were an unwashed vassal um, and you know she was like an empress in her draped in her shawl um and i think he felt a sense keen sense of his own inferiority um and she did not see him as a gentleman because he lacked the education that she would expect in one of her own social class really what margaret what has to happen to margaret is she has to appreciate thornton over the course of the novel his character his um commitment to doing what's right his ability to admit his own mistakes and change um and how actually he is the true gentleman and i think she comes to that realization very gradually over the course of the text now Thornton himself changes quite dramatically as well so again to support this idea of changes at the heart of North and South we also have Thornton initially taking the position of a kind of capitalist um, person with almost Malthusian ideas about poverty. Um, now Thomas Malthus wrote a highly influential um, paper in the Victorian era really about the reasons behind poverty and essentially Malthus's idea was the population was always going to be out of control and too much there was always going to be poverty there was always going to be a lack of food and essentially what you had to do as a country is allow people to die you had to allow the weak allow the sick to self-regulate by you know dying off in disease and that you should not support people in poverty and make it easy for them to be poor. So that's why the Victorians passed this Poor Law Amendment Act, um, which basically meant that anyone who needed help had to go to a workhouse. And they knew that going to the workhouse meant their family would be broken up and put in separate places. They would be nearly starved. Um, they would be put to hard manual labor. And of course, nobody wanted to go to the workhouse. It wasn't really a choice. Um, and Charles Dickens wrote a lot about this in his novels like Oliver Twist you know really depicting the horrible irony of people running the workhouse thinking they're um, doing a charitable endeavour when actually they're just slowly starving these poor orphans. So the Victorians had this idea that poverty was your own fault and, and Thornton's kind of inherited that idea. He's got his own story to back the, this up because in his own mind he has managed through hard work and perseverance to raise himself from being, you know, a, a boy in a draper's shop to the owner of a factory. Um, 
it's worth saying that he couldn't have done that without the support of some of his father's old debtors taking note of him and helping him. But he is not very sympathetic in the early chapters when Margaret is talking about the responsibility of a master towards his men. Um, as um, Pollard points out, um, Thornton is is taking this um, position um, of an industrial autocrat. Um, and because Margaret's position is that of the Christian socialist, we've got this great clash of ideologies between the two of them. Um, and we're, whereas Thornton's like, well, you know, I shouldn't get involved in my in my workers' lives. It's their business what they do outside of work hours. Margaret says, yes, but you have a responsibility before God to look after your men and your your workers and make sure that they are, you know, they understand why you're paying them the rate you're paying them. And gradually, of course, Thornton does um, appreciate Margaret's point of view. And, and really, this happens through Higgins because um, Margaret sends Higgins to Thornton to ask him for work when no one else will hire him after the strike because of his association with the union. And he's trying to support Boucher's children um, because Boucher's committed suicide and he feels this is his fault and his responsibility to care for them. And um, initially Thornton dismisses Higgins, but then when he hears that Higgins had waited for him for five hours outside, he then visits Higgins' house and he sees Boucher's children there, so he realises that Higgins was telling him the truth. Um, and he apologises, he backs down and he says, you know, I, I, will, I will offer you this job um, and from there that marks a big turning point because um, it shows Thornton's willingness to back down um, and Higgins works with him to help him um, understand the plight of his workers in more depth. So we see both Thornton and Margaret change a lot and particularly at the end when Thornton, his business is in ruins he's lost a lot of money he goes to this dinner and he's very honest about the fact that his business has failed um but he says you know he was just beginning to do things right and he wants to in the future speak to his men communicate with them make sure everything's working on a very different basis to how he was describing earlier in the novel so we can see that that Thornton has completely changed and then what happens really skillfully in the structure of the novel is that as Margaret and Thornton finally become united um, in an engagement at the end, these two threads really combine. Um, and as Pollard says, the love of Thornton and Margaret symbolises both the union of North and South and the completion of their respective individual enlightenments. So the idea that they've both been on an inner journey of um, of looking looking to change and Margaret is able at the end to offer Thornton um, this financial sponsorship to go back to his factory, to go back to his workers. Um, and it's, again, a sign of Thornton's humility that he accepts the offer. Um, so we've got this lovely structure where the two characters are developed and changed and then they are allowed to come back together um, in unity at the end and their unity symbolizes a bigger unity that the novel's been all about the title north and south suggests this binary opposition it suggests that the novel is about the contrast between the industrial north and the wealth of the south the very different cultures in milton uh, and helston and london 
um, it suggests that even Thornton and Margaret are polar opposites and can never be, their differences can never be reconciled. But actually, the point of the novel is that they can. Um, and I think the obviously it's following a romance plot as well. So you're getting the happy ending of the engagement between the um, the two main characters. But you've got a sense in which they are very different people at the end to what they were at the beginning. Margaret has come to maturity. She's learned to take control of her own life. And she's very much in a position now of financial independence where she's now refusing to let Aunt Shaw make decisions for her. Um, she's not going to stay in London in this kind of lazy environment that she now no longer values. She wants to make a difference with her money, which is why she offers Thornton the financial sponsorship, the proposition, the business proposition she gives him. Um, in a sense as well, Thornton and Margaret each represent an aspect of Victorian society that is changing anyway. Margaret is like this new woman uh, becoming independent and representing how women's rights were developing. Um, and John Thornton is this idea of, you know, the middle class man, the middle class gentleman developing somebody who can better himself through um, education um, and through growing into um, the middle class, not from birth. So really, yes, change is absolutely at the heart of this novel. Um, and you can you can trace how Gaskell very skillfully um, weaves it through the entire structure, but brings about a powerful resolution at the end. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.